0: Well, good morning. It's great to see you all here this morning and not uh, enjoying the sun. Oh, you'll enjoy the sun later. We're good. Uh, My name is Wes. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I have the privilege of speaking with you this morning. Now, uh, I thought about calling this uh, message the perfect body, but I wasn't so sure after coming off of the Taboo series what you'd be thinking when you thought of a perfect body. So I didn't know, you know, I thought, no, I'm not going to go there. you know, I could have talked about body image. You know, it could have been a, a real easy one. I'd be like, okay, the perfect body, body image. And uh, I don't know, if you haven't been here, the Taboo series is one of our series we've done annually that talks about taboo topics. So that could have fit. That could have fit in what we were doing. The other thing could have been something about being healthy and and. Um, taking care of your body as a, as a temple of the Holy Spirit. And there's something to there I could have, you know, there's some taboo things that we could have done with, with uh, proper health and that sort of thing. But maybe to your disappointment or your, to, to your relief or neither, you are uh, not going to hear those t- uh, sermons today. You're going to hear something about the church and the church being a body. So I just called it the body because it was a little bit easier to do that. We live in an individualistic and consumer culture, and it affects not only our relationship with Christ, but also our church. I know you're surprised when you hear that, that that actually creeps into what we're doing here. But it does. Some of us, uh, some of the people out there call it a me culture. They say, oh, yeah, it's a me culture. It's all about me, it's all about myself. And uh, it's funny because we even sing songs that are very individualistic, too, don't we? And, and to a point, there's a great reason why we do that, because a relationship with Christ is really important. But there are things that, that creep into our church. But I think what God calls us to do is to not just think there is the me part of it, and that's affected by the me-ness that's going on, but then also there's an us culture that has to happen. Not only do we have this me problem and and also good, there's also an us thing that we need to to come together with. Our culture wants us to be thinking about me all the time, doesn't it? It wants to be thinking, okay, what is good for myself? What is good for me? It says, just look at myself. Just look at me. Make other people look at you. You see that in social media. Hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. There is validity to a me culture, and that's uh, because we see self-help resources and those sort of things that are really important for, for people to, to get better at, in their life. But at the same time, we have this problem also called selfies, I don't know if you, some of you are like, yeah, I kind of know what a selfie is, just to make sure you understand what a selfie is, because I don't want anybody to miss out that a selfie is a picture, <laughs> I know, it's funny that I'm even explaining this, but it's a picture um, of yourself, that you take of yourself, and obviously it's to upload, it's in, a lot of people will, will take several selfies, or several pictures, just to get the best one, and then choose that one to be able to upload and to make themselves look the best, and Selfies have taken some really crazy turns over the years. In 2014, I did this Google search of a bunch of selfie-related deaths, and there actually is quite a few of them, and it's just crazy. And one of them was, uh, and it's really quick, just the first one that popped up was just talking about how this couple went over this barricade to the edge of this cliff uh, to get to the westernmost part of Europe to take their selfie, to get that experience, to be able to, to upload that and say, we were on the most western port, of Europe and, and to grab that selfie, and they actually um, fell off the cliff. It's crazy. But people will do, go through extensive, extensive things just to get that perfect thing, to get that perfect experience. Now, being an individual and boasting about that unique experience just seems to be in our nature. It's something that we just love, we enjoy in our culture. It's not only that in, in selfies, but it's also in sports, and uh, some of you who are sports fanatics out there, you know what it is like in that one-upmanship of sports is saying, oh, one person's better. Who's on the hottest streak? Who's the most valuable player? Uh, uh, those yeah, athletes, they, they bring it on. They say, well, if I, I, my achievements can prove that I can get more money because I've got you know, X amount of fame and I, and I want more, and I, it's all about me, and it's all about me. But I think that when we're thinking about our own fame, our own needs, our, own, our only ourselves, it misses the point of benefiting from others, of the wealth of relationships and togetherness. We are so saturated with this me culture that we forget that there's other people around us. A team is a team of individuals, not individuals on themselves. I tried really hard not to use that cliche thing where team, there's no I in team. And so I didn't actually put it in there, but, but it, that's, the, that's the same thing. There's not a team as a team of, of people. It's a gathering of people. We see it in how we view church too. It's not just out there. It's not just in our personal lives for selfies. It's not just in our sports. It's out there in our church as well. Sometimes we view, uh, view church like it's a Starbucks order. It's like we're pulling up to the drive thru, and this is what it feels like. It's like, hello, welcome to Southbox. Uh, how may I help you today? My name is Wes. I'm going to have your order today. And he's like, yeah, actually, um, I would like a no small talk, half serving, double shot of Brent's preaching with a little bit of Mason Passion Sprinkles on top. And oh, you know, how about, how about if in SR Kids we have, uh, you know, is it video worship, or is it live band, or is a combination of both? Or is that just, because you know what, I'll just go down the road to the next thing. Is that That's not what it's supposed to be, right? Like, that's a little exaggerated and a little bit of, yeah, you might be still thinking, I think I'd rather have Brent preaching right now. Um <coughs> But before we go further, I'm going to just read the passage today. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and you can turn there in your Bibles. We're going to put it on the screen. It's 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 26, and it's talking about the body. And this is the Apostle Paul writing this. Verse 12, so chapter 12, verse 12 to 26 says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit as, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we are all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not the eye, I, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are, just, are indispensable. And the parts that, are, that, think, that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together. Giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers, as we heard earlier, with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, just that we're very clear, and you get it, the Apostle Paul is talking about the church. He's talking about the church when he's talking about a body. He's not just talking about body parts. The church is like a body. There are many parts. Each one of those, uh, each each one of us makes up the, the parts of the, of the body. We, the believers, make up the vital parts of the church. To remove one of those parts would, be, would make the body incomplete. To remove one of those things makes it not complete anymore from its original design. Having too many of one part, you saw that, it would be overkill. I know I, I, some of you have kids, you understand this really well. My, I, I love it when kids draw me pictures. I love it. I think it's awesome. I've had kids from other families draw me pictures because they know my reaction is just so like, wow, that's awesome. One of the things that my third child, Benjamin, does is he draws lots of monsters. And he likes drawing lots of monsters. And often, these monsters have, uh, have sometimes hundreds of eyes, hundreds of arms, legs, ears, fins, noses, and sometimes all of them at the same time. And that's kind of what his pictures could look like. We can imagine that, that some of these monsters could be like, okay, so they've got lots of eyes. So that's some superpower that they can see all and they can, they can do things that are beyond what other people or what other, other beings could do. But I wonder if, as creative as it is, and I'm not trying to slam Benjamin's uh, pictures, but I wonder if deviating from that design, because we see a lot of similar design and creation in, what, in the order of what, how things are made in animals and people and other things. You see that, how similar it is. And I wonder if going away from that is, is, not, is really okay. I wonder if too many eyes would make us paranoid of all the different things we see, or too many noses would distract from the smells that we see and we would never get our work done. Too many legs and arms would just get in the way. And I think you get the point. Maybe you've seen churches like this when they have an overkill of one thing, but what if not having the proper use of a body part like a leg, an arm, an eye, an ear, or a tongue happens? Some of you know that my, my shoulder, my left shoulder dislocates easily. So I know what it feels like to have a body part separated from my body and it hurts. And if some, of, if some of you out there that have had that before, it is not fun. Three of the most memorable times that I've dislocated my shoulder are, number one, the time when I was said to Christy, you know what, my wife, I would love to do an exercise program with you. I think that's a great idea. And since that injury I had lots of times, I was very vigorous in my jumping jacks. That as I was going, I was just trying to beat her at it, and I just lost my, my, my shoulders pulled right out. And I was like, oh no. The second one was at a youth event that I uh, used to do called Mudfest. And I was driving my van, and I was driving up to the youth event, and here's Colson, our drummer today, and he's about to give me the biggest high five while I put my hand out the window. That wasn't smart. Um, so then, of course, my car is driving, and it was crazy. Um, but So that was the other time. The third time was a little more simple. I was sitting in a chair. I reached back to the windowsill to grab my iPhone. Oof. So, yeah, that was obviously, that's a, that's a problem. When, you're, when the body part is not working properly, Whew. don't reach for your iPhone. Um, similarly, a church that doesn't have a working body part struggles. It struggles when it doesn't. And Paul talks about this. He talks about how, you know, if you need all these parts to work together, you can't not. If it struggles, it's, it's not easy to, to function. And I don't think, when Paul talks about this comparison game, he talks about comparing body parts to each other. I don't think that's a fluke. I think that Paul actually knows human nature and knows how we work. Not only then, thousands of years ago, but also today. We look at in verse 21 and following where he talks about how uh, we view each other. And I think just like the Corinthians, at times we classify our fellow sisters and brothers into some that are important and some that are not important. I think we, we judge and we look and we say, "Wow, well, you know, is that, really, is that really needed? What does the scripture say? It says this, just to reread this. While our presentable parts, this is verse 24, need no special treatment, but God has put the body together giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Paul encouraged us to look to each other in a different way than what our nature says. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. In the body, we don't say, oh, my toe hurts. I'm glad that the rest of my body doesn't even know no, when, when your toe hurts, it hurts and your whole body feels it. I think there's some, some insight into how we view each other in the church. I think it's important to look to each other and to care for each other, especially in those times of need. I think that the, uh, the, uh, needing, looking to the needs of others isn't the first thing that we do. Sometimes it is. But often it isn't. Often people don't come into our minds. We, we're concerned for ourselves. we concern concerned for our family's needs. I mean, we have to, right? We have to look at our family. We have to look at our extended family, our, our, our parents as they age. Or we have to look to our brothers and sisters in our family and to meet those needs. But often we, we get so centralized in looking at what can we do for ourselves and choose to do things our own way. Not allowing someone to experience the blessing of helping you. I'm there. I am so there with you in that. I want to take things on myself. I don't want to admit that I need help. I really would rather not. It's, it's, not, it's not easy for me to go to someone and ask for help. I realized this the other day when I was making this, uh, this game called Cub. Cub. And some of you played this game called Cub at uh, the picnic. There's 200 of you that were actually there. So that weird wood block game that you saw walking in, that was Cub. And so, uh, so Ben Kerlik had introduced me to this game. And I thought, you know, I can make this. I can do this. And I thought, let's try it. You know, so I got my, my oldest son. He's 12. I thought, this is a great bonding experience for us to do. So I'm like, Jason, we got to do this. He's like, yeah, sure. That's awesome. I even got him to use a saw. And he was like a little bit nervous about it. But I was like, you know, we can do this. So one of the things was I needed to get these these fence posts. You know what a fence post looks like. We need to get them down to about six inches. But not only that, for the game, for proper regulation, you had to slice off a half inch on either side. And a fence post is not actually four by four. It's actually three three and a half by three and a half. So I needed to get a half of an inch off of two sides to make it three by three. So to do that, I only have one saw other than a handsaw. I only have one saw. That's my skill saw. I don't know if you've ever tried to do something with a skill saw that's really intricate and like really, like, I don't know. Some of you, like, like the guys are like, yep, yeah, I wouldn't do that. But I tried that because I thought I only have one saw. So I grabbed my, my skill saw, and this, to start, I had to get them into six-inch length, so I had, to, I had to cut it, and it wasn't a deep enough blade, so I had to turn it, cut it, turn it. And of course, there's like little edges all the way along, and I could see each one, and it drove me nuts because I didn't want it. I wanted it to be perfect. So... I'm not great with, it, with tools, that's just something about me. I'm not great, I, I, my dad, is a, he works at a trust plant, he's good with tools, I am not. So, case in point, I took out a, this is just a side point to this, I took out one of my hedges, it was about, it was an overgrown cedar hedge, it was about that thick with my skill saw, okay? So, if you can kind of imagine what that looked like. Yes, I sliced the cord and had to re-fix it up, but I was in some mode trying to get this done. And anyways, you can see how, how ugly and messy it is to watch me have to build something. But like a man asking for directions, I reluctantly went to my neighbor. I had no other choice. I started this project. I, had, I was stubborn enough to finish it. I'm not just going to leave it. I wanted to play cup. This is what I wanted to do. So my neighbor across the street, I, I had heard that he had some tools. So I walked up to him. I said, hey, uh, do you have, he's like, you know what, I've got the perfect thing for you. I've got a really great table saw that would do that very fast and very easily for you. So I was thinking, okay, this is great. Uh, you can cut that edge off and it's awesome. And you know what, I trusted him. I trusted him because he looked like one of those guys that knew toy uh, tools, like not like me. And guys, I know guys, you can feel for this. You, you know when you look at another guy and you're like, yeah, that dude, he knows it. And I trust him. I trust him with that. So ladies, you can know that that goes through our minds. We, we, <laughs> we, we, we got to this point where he's like, yeah, I'll bring that table saw. I'll bring it to your back patio, and we'll, we'll start with this. And, of course, I don't know what he was thinking, but he handed it to me. So I apparently was going to do this myself, and it's great. I wasn't expecting him to, but it, all of a sudden I was, I was struck with having this table saw, which I hadn't used since maybe junior high school, and I thought, I'm going to try to do this. So I pulled him away from cleaning his car, which is something he planned to do that day. He was just cleaning his car. He was outside. He was cleaning his car. And, and he's like, yeah, 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 no problem. I'll do that. So as we're sitting there on my patio, sawdust is flying up in the air, just flying. And sawdust is everywhere. It's on my face. It's on my hat because I was wearing a hat. Thankfully, I, was thinking, I wasn't thinking about it, but it just dusted off afterwards. It, just, it was flying everywhere. There's this, this guy moment of nods of approval as it was happening well just like this, and both of us were sharing that. And I was really struck with this funny, funny moment where I felt like, man, I mean, I was struck with how much gratitude I have for my neighbor. That I, I, he, I pulled him away. He didn't plan to do that today. He didn't plan to help me with my game. It took him, you know, 20, 30 minutes to do this, and I pulled him away from this. And he might be like, yeah, okay. Of course someone would help you, Wes. Like, I would help you, and you would help somebody else. But I think that's true to a point. But, but I think that if I, if I had not gone and talked to him, I would have missed out on something. I would have missed out on that, that feeling of gratitude. I would have missed out on re- in that reaching out and, and having some time with him, getting to know him better. I would, have, I would have continued in me culture and not gotten to the us culture. A me culture... Wants us to wants us on our own. That's what that me culture wants. It wants us to be on our own. It wants us to not reach out. We think sometimes in the chur- church that looking after me is the smartest thing we do. We think that looking after yourself is the smartest thing. We think, oh, well, you know what? If I don't bother anybody, this is a good thing. But the arm cannot exist apart from a body. It can't. You know, I struggle with also wanting to be perfect, and that comes out in trying to do projects well. <laughs> but I, I struggle. I don't know if I'm the only person in the entire world that feels that way, but I feel sometimes that I am. But I want to be perfect. <laughs> what I've learned is, and I think God has created us a little incomplete so that we need each other, especially in the church. I mean in our neighborhood, but also in the church. I think one hang-up that we get to is we, we resort back to this idea that the church is a building. That we think, okay, church is here. Church is what we do when we come here. Church is, um, is, is a building. It's, it's a place of gathering. Yes, it's, it, that's what it is. But the church is not a building. The church is a body. It's a living organism, as you see. It's like It's a body that functions with many needed parts. I think this is God's intention and design and is similar to how we are made. That God has created our bodies so intricate and so amazing that he also has that resembled in the body of community of people. So I'm going to give us four questions that I want to ask and then answer because I think these are funny questions that we think about when we think about church. The first one is this. Does who I am matter to the, matter to the church? Does who I am matter to the church? Well, we all need each other. Some of us are the right index toe, and we don't realize how much we are actually contributing to that foot or that part of the body. All people are the body, are are part of the body, and work for a common good. We all work together. The people differ, but does not take away from that unity that we have. No one person can be complete we need each other and no part of the body can function for the other an eye can't be an ear and a hand can't be a left eyebrow although maybe a left eyebrow hand would be cool i don't know fashionable if you walked around like this i don't know no okay i thought it was funnier in my head sorry for example if if you you could me and pastor kirk are very very different okay Pastor Kirk, you could count on in a medical situation. Like you can count on him. I well, okay, maybe that's too much <laughs> too much emphasis on that, but you can really count on him because he was a he was a firefighter, he's a referee, he can he can stop your fighting. Um he can he knows how to save you from a burning building. He he's a good guy in, in, in intense situations, he has a good, quick head, and he knows how to help. Me, on the other hand, in a medical situation, I faint at the sight of blood. So So just remember that for the future in case we ever come across that situation. And you're just like, okay, someone get me a cold cloth and I can be fine on the ground. We are all different. We are all different. We all have a part of the body. Now, for some of you who are here and you're not, not a believer in Christ, and you feel like, okay, you're talking a lot about the church, and sure, you're observing when you come here. And you come in and you say, okay, so... What's all these church people doing? And what, what are they doing? How are they doing things? And okay, some people are raising their hands. Some people are got their eyes closed. What's going on? Oh, well, a bat place being passed by. You might be thinking, okay, what does this have to do with me? And I would actually argue that this has a lot to do with you. I think that that when we look at this, you understand what me culture feels like, don't you? I mean, inside the church or outside the church, if you're a believer or if you're not a believer, you know how empty it is how unsatisfying it is, how lonely it is. An us, us culture is something we, we want here at the church, at Southridge. We want that. We want an us culture. We don't want it to be all about me, me, me. Hey, this is all for me. It's for my benefit, and I go home. It's Church is not just about that. And maybe, just maybe, and this is going way out there on this one, but maybe you are that right elbow that we haven't been able to to flex our arm for a while. And maybe you're needed in this church. and, And God knows it. And he's designed you to be here. And you're reluctant. And you haven't given in. Maybe you are a part that is needed here. And we need you to start bending our arm again and to work. I know it's cheesy. But maybe that's you. If you know that you need to do something and you need to come to talk to somebody, I encourage you to come and talk to me or talk to someone who brought you. Uh, We would love to talk to you about what it means to be part of a greater body of Christ. Because it starts with committing your life to Jesus Christ and having a relationship with him. That's the start of it. That's the start of it. You need to be right before God. So don't leave today without, without asking that question. The second question is, do I cease to be part of the body when I don't attend church? Well, I mean, a quick answer is no. Uh, Community, the diversity in that community, the non-uniformity, do you see that? We're not all the same. Each plays a part. And some of you might not know you're part of the body because, I don't know, maybe you're the appendix. And you don't even know why we have it. Like, why do we have the appendix? But you know that there's a part, that you're a body part, you're a part of this body, and you know that you're needed. Maybe you're one of those parts, and you you haven't realized it yet. But no matter where we are in the second question of do I cease to be part of the body when I don't attend church? No matter where you are, you are the church. In Matthew 28, 19 to 20, it just says that, that to go into all nations and, and make disciples, baptizing in them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That means that to every believer, everyone everywhere, you are to go out and make disciples. You are to go Be the church. Church isn't about being on Sundays. I know that that might be a hard one for you to get your head around. But church is more than just Sundays. It's not just that you land here and this is church and then you go home and you go ad- back to your life of not doing church. Church is not just on Sundays. This is why doing one-on-ones with people, getting to, getting to know people. One on one, getting to know people in a place of belonging in a community group—that's what. That's what life is all about. When you're doing life with people, that's when you start seeing the church lived out, and amazing things start to happen when you're part of a community. The third question is: Does my personal relationship with Christ make a difference? Has anyone here ever had their tonsils out? Anybody? Yeah, you've had your tonsils out before. So I was 13 when I had my tonsils out. I was actually expecting more hands being raised. Um, but I had a really bad tonsils. When I was 13, I had my tonsils out because pus was just oozing out of them. In fact, you know what? I won't save you the detail just to get the idea of this, but they were so infected that when they cut into my tonsils, they exploded. So that's how bad I was. I was constantly ill. <laughs> Think about this. I was constantly ill for th- for about 3 years and it affected my whole body. Think about that. It affected my whole body. The infection in my tonsils I never it never tonsillitis never leapt, left. It like went down into like a remission mode but just came back up again. I constantly had tonsillitis. I was, I was constantly sick. I was constantly having problems. Similarly, allowing yourself to be a sick body part <laughs> Allowing yourself to come to that degree can af- is not a good thing and actually does affect the church. So yes, your personal relationship with Christ does affect the church. You think it's just about yourself, but it's not. It could be as simple as a bad attitude that you just, you know, I guess I have this bad attitude. You have this grudge or you have these opinions about people or you're dissatisfied about things you see. And you've just allowed it for too long to sit there. It could be something that you're leaving a trail of gossip behind you and you only realize it after the fact. And you're like, wait a second, I've just made this trail of gossip behind me. And you haven't dealt with it yet. It could be that you're not willing to serve. I've done my time. I've done my time. I don't need to be doing this again. I've done 20 years of this. I've done 30 years of this. I've done 50 years of this. Of serving in the church. And I I don't need to do any more. But for some reason your life with Christ is stuck and you don't know why you think oh I wonder what that is. Maybe it's one of those three things I mentioned. When you when you are a sick body part, it affects the whole body. But the positive is if you're a healthy body part, you contribute to the body. You are part of the overall health of the body. Listen, we don't have an option of being apart from the body. When you're apart from the body, there's no life in it. You are instantly connected to the body when you've committed your life to Christ and are part of the family of God. When you claim that Jesus follower status, like I'm a Christian, I'm a Jesus follower status, you are saying, I am part of the body. And your choices affect the body. Maybe not right away, but they will. The fourth question is, how often should I engage in church? I felt that was necessary to still talk about. Again, we don't need to, to say that 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 we we can't we don't need the rest of the body. I mean you heard that already. For we choose if we choose to live separate from the body, we're just a lifeless limb. And laying on the ground with no use, that we just don't have any connection. We don't have any life. You can move a limb like that externally. Like if it's a branch from a from a vine, if you cut it off, you can you can make it look like it's alive, but it's not gonna. It's not alive. It's been cut off. If it's a limb, it's been cut off. There's no source of life. I'll, of course, if you're some cut off limb, maybe there's some reason to say, well, you know what? In a sci-fi thriller, it could be possible, and that's not the, really the case. But uh, but in in that world, yes, maybe. But but really, when you're cut off from the body, you lose that life. Hebrews ten. Twenty-three to twenty-five says this. I want to read this for you. It says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promises faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. It's funny how can we spur each other on and encourage each other if we're not meeting together? How is that possible? I think to ask the question of how often should I engage in church is maybe the wrong question to ask if we want to live for Jesus. Maybe an us culture question should be, what is that next opportunity that we have to give it to the life life of the church? What is that? What's that next opportunity? Okay, what is the next opportunity? What is it? that God gave you, that you need to use. Do you notice people on the outside not being included in things? Is that something that you're good at? Because if so, the guest services would be a great place for you. Or maybe you want to be at soccer camp as a rover, watching and making sure that all the kids get to where they need to go. Do you love cooking or baking? There's opportunities with our kitchen to give meals to people who need meals. There's also a soccer camp that you can do snack for soccer camp. Do you love kids? There's SR kids. There's like 250, 300 kids. I don't know how many kids are upstairs. There's lots of kids between two services. You can be a part of that. You can be investing into kids' lives. You can be part of the James Hill breakfast program. Just at James Hill, there's a breakfast program that we at Southridge are championing and being a part of, making sure kids get breakfast. Or soccer camp. Do you love kids with extraordinary needs? Maybe you want to be part of our kids' care, uh, helping those families wrestle through these things. Or maybe you want to be part of soccer camp in those things to help those kids connect in the best way possible because they have that extraordinary need and they need help and they need someone to lead them. Do you love their parents? Maybe you want to be part of the soccer camp, hospitality camp. Do you like to build things? Maybe our maintenance team with, J- with Brian Barrett would be a good start. Or maybe building things for soccer camp. You're getting lots of soccer camp things over and over and over again. Maybe God's trying to tell you something. I don't know. Um, Do you love missions? Maybe you want to be on one of our missions trip. There'll be another mission to Haiti. Maybe you can be a part of that. Do you love being generous, help people in need, or or help pay off the debt to this building, which is almost done. We are almost there. Maybe you're good at learning names. I mean, come on, there's got to be someone out there that's like me that loves learning names. Because sometimes it's like you go up to people and they're like, I don't know. I just can never remember names. I don't know how you do it. It's like, I don't know how I do it either. Um, Are you creative, collaborative, a problem solver? Yeah, that's almost alliteration. But maybe you want to be a ministry leader, a community group leader. Maybe that's for you. Do you love the homeless or the working poor? Maybe Dinner and Elegance is where you need to start and just be part of that ministry. Or jump in at Gateway of Hope downtown and, and help with the homeless. Do you love... Being in someone's life and watching them grow and change to be more like Jesus. Maybe you need to choose someone to invest in spiritually. And you know you need to do it. And you're just not sure how to start it and how to do it. And I encourage you to talk to one of us about that. And we can get you set up with someone to say, yeah, maybe I can be helping make a disciple. Maybe I can be part of someone's life. Maybe a young leader's life. And help them to grow. See, we are stronger when we're together. It's true. We're stronger when we're together. God has arranged our church body, Southridge, and all are needed in that body. God has arranged all the parts of the body so that, that they don't clash with each other. What you, so what are we doing about it? What are we doing about this? Do you see a deficiency? Do you see a deficiency of where you're good at and there's something that's missing? I often feel that. I think, oh, there's a deficiency in Southridge. I think, I'm, I'm okay at that. Maybe I should step forward. How are you contributing? And what's next for you? Is it serving? Because serving is a great thing to step off on. We come off of this message and be like, yeah, serving might be it. That's, that's great. Maybe it's just to, 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 to do that for the first time. And you think, I'm fairly new here. I've been a part of another church. Or, or maybe you just haven't really done it before. Maybe serving is it. Maybe you need to balance your life. And that's actually your next step. That you need to balance your life because you know it's chaotic. And you need to slow down because you can't live at this pace any longer. And maybe becoming unbalanced, or balanced again from your unbalance is important and what you need to do next. Maybe your next step is that you need to be involved less in the church in 15 ministries. Maybe that's you. Maybe you th- you hear God calling you and, and feeling in your heart, you just feel like, man, I think maybe one or two would be great and that I could just... Jump into that and really do well and give all I have to those one or two ministries. And maybe that's something that you think you need to do. We need to live out being this body, the church. We are not a whole bunch of individuals. We are a collection of individuals ex- to experience uh, life together. We're not all about our selfies. I don't want to be part of a church that's just all about our individual things, our social media feeds and how good we are and how awesome we are and how, how well we can take care of ourselves. Because Langley's good at that, and we're part of that, and it's easy to get into that, but we can't always do that. We need to be united. We need to enjoy working together. We need each other. So we're going to come to the table to do to how to take up this this uh, the Lord's Supper. And here is an us culture moment, hey. This is why I wanted to do the Lord's Supper on today. It's not the greatest because it's a long weekend. There's a bunch of people away, and we're going to miss that. But at the same time, this is a really great message for us to be thinking. You know, we can come together and to to celebrate this together and to remember what Christ has done. So, what I'm going to ask you to do is to start this. Is just to ask that you would just spend some time quietly reflecting, just where you are right now, because maybe something in today has really affected you, and you just don't you just don't know if you have the 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 guts, the courage to do something about it. But I ask you to just maybe bow your hands and just, just to maybe if you want to close your eyes and just, just ask God, what is it in my life that I need to do? And also remember what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross, that he did this for you. Maybe there's some way that you can give back to him. So just spend a moment right now just quietly reflecting on those things.